Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for our latest episodes of the Perspectives from the C-Suite Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within healthcare, pharmacy practice, development of leadership skills, and more. Today, we'll visit with three accomplished hospital and health system executives that just so happen to be pharmacists. And we are very fortunate to have three pharmacists in the C-Suites who've had successful careers and contributed successfully to our nation's healthcare and professional associations across the nation. Our conversation will focus on their professional journeys as healthcare executives within their organization. We'll also be asking for their perspectives about the current environment and future perspectives on healthcare and how we can continue to support patient care and practice advancement. My name is David Chen, and I'll be your host for this special edition of Pharmacist in the C-Suites, Professional Journeys and Perspectives in Healthcare. So with me today, I'll introduce our guests as we have Wendy Horton, Chief Executive Officer at UVA Health University Medical Center, and Tad Gomez, President of Loyola University Medical Center, and James Clauck, Senior Vice President for Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us today, Wendy, Tad, and Jim. So to get us started talking today, I'd like to ask each of you to share your background and career journey with an emphasis on those critical points in life that encourage you to pursue formal leadership roles in your careers and pursue the roles that you have in hospital and health system C-suites. So maybe if I could start with Wendy and if I could point to you to get us going today. Sure. And thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So my career started in a small town in Southern California, and I don't have a family background in pharmacy or healthcare at all. And while I was in high school, I was an exchange student to Australia and worked at a corner drugstore. And it was during that time that I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist and no other aspiration other than to be a pharmacist. I went to pharmacy school at Oregon State and got my PharmD at the University of Utah. And while I was in Utah, my husband was finishing his PhD and his postdoc, and I finished my PharmD. And his job actually brought us to Wisconsin where I worked at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. While I was in Madison, they only had a 50% job in pharmacy. The other part of my job was to work doing technology assessment outside of pharmacy, but using the skills that I'd learned in pharmacy and P&T process to really help make good decisions at our institution. And in retrospect, this was just an incredible opportunity for me, and it provided a lot of exposure outside of pharmacy. And I also met Jim and he was working outside of pharmacy and he was a great example to me. And another example of how small the world is, even on this podcast, I remember looking at Jim from Milwaukee to Madison. And my first job out of pharmacy was working as the director of surgery. 
Then I uh, was promoted. I worked as the vice president of operations where I helped build and open a brand new hospital and worked there for several years. I then went on to Ohio State where I took a broadening role and served as the chief administrative officer for the School of Medicine and the practice plan, working on the physician side, implementing the comp plan and other activities. And now I'm at the University of Virginia, where I started out as the chief operating officer and was promoted to CEO of the medical center, where I've been for almost four years. So in a nutshell, moved from West Coast to East Coast, lots of different areas. And the thing I can say is always proud to have been a pharmacist. Thank you for that, Wendy. And I guess you certainly took some of the proverbial the path less taken along the way. And I guess very nicely, serendipitously, that we have you you and Jim on the call today. So really appreciate your story. Thank you. And now I'd like to go ahead and move on to you, Ted. Yeah, thanks, David. Pleasure to be here today. And like Wendy, I did not come from a family that had any kind of healthcare background, but I maybe took a little bit more traditional uh, route to my current position. So So I graduated from University of Kansas School of Pharmacy, knew that I wanted to go into a leadership track. I had some good mentors there with Harold Godwin and others that kind of said, hey, why don't you take a look at this as a career path? And I always thought that I would be in some type of either leadership or management position, no matter what area of pharmacy I went into. And so I ended up attending the Ohio State University and doing my master's in residency there. From there, I moved to Tampa, Florida, and kind of my first uh, real management job, I was pharmacy manager at St. Joe's Hospital. I had a great mentor there, Mike McGee, that I'm going to stress mentors because I feel like that's kind of how I got to where I am today is I had a lot of really great mentors. From there, I went to Houston, Texas, what's now known as Harris Health. Back then, it was the Harris County Hospital District. And I was at first the pharmacy director for LBJ Hospital and then became the system director for all inpatient uh, pharmacies. So we had three hospitals there in Houston. From there, I got recruited to be the director of pharmacy at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Georgia. And that was one of those things where coming out of residency, we wrote down our goals and kind of my longer term goal, 15 to 20 year goal that I had written down was to be a director of pharmacy at an academic medical center. That was my 15 to 20 year goal. And I got there in seven. So it kind of made me rethink, well, maybe what trajectory, well, not immediately. I mean, I, I had a lot of work to do as director of pharmacy there. And I had a great team, thankfully, that really worked hard to get to get the pharmacy where it needed to be. But it was there that I encountered a CEO. I wouldn't necessarily call him a mentor because we had very different styles, although We did have a formal mentoring relationship. At the time, I didn't think it was so much mentoring, but thinking back on it, it was definitely mentoring. And he he kind of pushed me to think bigger, to think outside of pharmacy and to make sure that if anything came up, that I raised my hand. And so after several years of being director of pharmacy there, I started taking on additional departments. And then eventually, Vice President of Professional Services was created, and I applied for that and was uh, lucky enough to get that job all at there in Augusta. 
And then we had quite a few leadership changes, and I decided that I, I wanted to do more than just professional services. And so a position to open up at a very well-known and large community health system in Gainesville, Georgia, as the vice president of professional and support services. So it was essentially a COO role. I had great experience here, got to work with a great team. But as luck would have it, one of my mentors from Augusta, he was a colleague, and we kind of mentored each other along the way. He called me because he had just taken the CEO role at Loyola Medicine. And I, when we stayed in touch, I always said that I'd always answer his call because we always had a great, great working relationship. And he called me and he said, hey, I'm moving to Chicago and I want you to come up here and take a look and see if I can convince you to come up here. And, and so as luck would have it, another mentor of mine reached out to me and here I am. I've been here for about four and a half years in Chicago and real excited about the team I'm working with up here as well. Thanks, Tad. I'm glad you introduced the word mentor into this. I know that the three of you in your in particular with your roles with ASHP's picks are committed to being those mentors for other pharmacists as they look upward to your successes and learning about what it takes to make the journey if they so decide to pursue it. So again, thank you for your story. Now, Jim, if you wouldn't mind sharing your journey, please. Thanks, David, and thanks for the handoff, Tad. And thanks, Wendy, also for that flashback memory. Definitely fun to, to look back on those days, and it does seem like it was just yesterday. But again, Jim Clough, I'm currently in the role of Senior Vice President at Freighter in the Medical College of Wisconsin. I provide leadership and administrative support for our clinical ancillaries, so the areas uh, like pharmacy, lab, imaging, rehab, have also supported our ambulatory surgery centers and supply chain over the years. For me, over the course of my career, I've been working really for 36 years across three large academic health systems. And the last 22 of those years have been with Freighter in the Medical College. As far as my training, after pharmacy school, I did my master's in administrative combined residency and then went on to pursue uh, positions in health system pharmacy management. And as Wendy stated, uh, my aspirations were really nothing apart from that. I was very interested in pharmacy, love pharmacy, still do to this day. But you know that was really my focus professionally and where I was excited to go. But maybe like others, I tracked through progressive levels of leadership in the pharmacy departments until I came to Freighter Health 22 years ago to serve as our chief pharmacy officer for the large academic hospital in our system. And it wasn't long after that where Freighter started its growth by acquiring two community hospitals, as well as a few clinics. And we were on our journey to becoming a health system. And it was at that point where um, my many years of purchasing and contract experience in my previous pharmacy roles, along with my knowledge in the group purchasing organization sector, that helped me to advance into what was my first executive role as vice president of supply chain and pharmacy. As part of that newly created position for our growing health system or our young health system, I was tasked with integrating the department organizational structures for three hospitals, as well as the formularies and all of the supply contracts into a single drug and supply formulary for our health system. So a lot of integration work and in doing that, and as I did that, other integration functions followed, primarily blending the cultures of those different entities as that work came together and as those departments came together. As that continued over the course of several years, the integration work and our health systems collaboration led to a broadening of my role where I picked up other clinical ancillary areas, and that included a collection of ambulatory surgery centers, our laboratory services, imaging, and rehab. 
and the integration work continued. Those departments came together under my administrative support, led those integrations, combined the teams, and really integrated them into what was our growing health system. And it's not ended. It, uh, in fact, continues right up through this day. We're now an 18 hospital and 80 clinic health system. We're going through integration work right up as up through today. And the alignment of those clinical ancillaries remains central and coordinated through my teams and uh, my administrative support. So I think that rounds out really my journey. Seems like uh, it all has gone by in a heartbeat, but um, you know it's been exciting and enjoyable. Thanks all of you for sharing that part of your professional journey. I think one that's definitely a common theme here is along the way, there are big projects, there are big opportunities, and the three of you seize them, and each one of those steps was part of your trajectory to the next level and the next opportunity as it was placed in front of you. So really nice to hear, and sort of exciting for, I'm sure, for many to hear, that I know sometimes people ask, well, how did you do that? And now you've answered that. What I'd like to move on to now is to get a little bit of insights on your perspectives around healthcare and what's happening in healthcare, and to get your perspectives on how do you look at things today in your current roles. And I'd like to start with with Tad. We've talked here a lot about culture and leadership and you sharing that you've had different roles in different locations in the country. Can you share a little bit on how do you feel you've been successful? What's contributed to your success in developing your teams and organizational culture, as well as establishing yourself and achieving influence as you progress through your career and location changes? Not to dumb it down too much, but when I was younger, one of my mentors told me the way you become successful as either a manager or a director or any really in any management position is that you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, and then you get the heck out of the way. And that seems a little childish, but I really did take that to heart. And I do always think about, particularly when I have a position turnover or when we're adding a new position to the team, you have to really give thought to the composition of the team. And you have to understand not only what strengths, but also what either weaknesses or blind spots or whatever you want to call them, that person brings to the team. And how does that work into the overall makeup of the team? Because not everyone has to be an expert in everything. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. It's that collective effort of the team that's going to make the difference in the long run. So I would say I probably spend some what might call an inordinate amount of time in selection of team members, whether it was when I was a director of pharmacy or whether I was a, I was a vice president or now as president. Right now, I'm, I just happen to be uh, interviewing. I had some turnover in my chief medical officer position. And so we are starting that search. And I we are giving a lot of time into thinking about, okay, well, what are we actually looking for? And really giving it some really good thought in terms of where we are and where we want to be. Because I would say that the general action would be, oh, well, you post a position, you, you hire a recruiter, and you, you work with the recruiter, and they do a lot of the work. And, and really, we've not only formed a search committee that is you know, multidisciplinary and cuts across our health system, but we've really given a lot of time to that kind of position profile that we're going to be sending out to potential candidates. I think it's those things. And what it all comes 
back to for me about being a pharmacist by training is that we are by nature very detail-oriented, sometimes too much. So you kind of have to balance that. But I think that's one of the things that makes us really well-suited for the roles that I'm in, Wendy's in, Jim's in, because we do pay attention to, to the details. And details matter to me. People say, don't sweat the small stuff. No, I, that, I'm all about sweating the small stuff. Because to me, if we can't do the little things right, how can we possibly do the big things right? So I'll stop there, but hopefully that gave you some color as to kind of what my thoughts are around that. That's a great response. And just like you said, the care that it takes to build the team and that care and time on the front end pays huge dividends on the back end all the way through the organization. And that's a great tee up for the next question that I'd like to pose to Jim. Tad talked about the people. I'm going to ask you a question about your viewpoints on the patients. So when you have the right people, you're going to be able to really, at the highest levels, take care of our patients through your organization. And Jim, earlier you discussed how the journey of your health system um, has gone gone along as it has become an integrated health system. And you have a very diverse patient care settings and locations that I can only imagine the re- that results in you having to have a number of different roles and responsibilities yourself as you work with your internal customers and your external customers based on the particular site of care. Can you talk a little bit about how you seek to integrate all these sites of care and what you feel is the necessary skills to be an effective leader when you have such a complex organization like yours in order to provide the best patient care across that continuum. As you heard me describe in my introduction, while I do support clinical ancillary services, the primary focus of my work has definitely been around integrating and ensuring that well-orchestrated and matrix diagnostic and therapeutic services are provided consistently to our patients, no matter where they receive care in our system and in our growing system. So I guess I would start by saying that I've had the privilege or luxury of starting small. You heard me say in my opening comments that we started as really just a three-hospital system slowly coming together with a couple of departments, but really we've used that momentum to grow broader and much bigger and flexed up our growth and integration along the way and gotten better at that, both as a health system and as a department integration. And really throughout that journey, the approach and the strategy has morphed and changed over time. With three hospitals, it was really just that, with focus on bringing those together, align those structures and standardize things. But as we continue to grow, we found ourselves creating different divisions. We had a hospital division and we had an ambulatory and clinic division. And to help lead those and manage those, we had unique leaders over each one of the areas and unique structures that best worked for those areas. And as we grow further, we further differentiated ourselves. We had our academic hospital division, we had our community hospital division, and we had our community clinics. And we, you know, altered the way we did things a bit to do what we thought was right and blending those different care settings. And now as we continue to expand and grow, we're further differentiating into different regions within the state of Wisconsin. So we tweak our leadership structures and alignments accordingly, and uh, we're doing what we feel is best in light of who we are and who we're becoming. But having said all of that, there are also a lot of things that we strive to keep consistent and standardized. And, you know, some of those examples are branding. We want the patient experience to be the same and consistent. And, of course, our culture and those things that relate to the staff engagement and their satisfaction across working with 
freighter in the medical college as an employer of choice. And so those things were very much focused on, are very much standardized. And despite our approach maybe being altered and tweaked over the course of our evolution, there are other things that we do focus on keeping the same and working for a strong standardization, even as we expand those growing regions uh, that I mentioned. As well as that, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is when you have what is now thousands of people working across the different areas that I'm supporting, you know, we want our staff to be consistent and supported and feel like they're making that strong contribution, no matter where the different service is. And so we take, we make great efforts to make sure that we're making that something that's easy for them to manage as well. Maybe if I could just add more one last thing to that, through all of it, it continues to stretch you as an executive leader, but those principles are the same. And so our teams foster and maintain an aligned vision and strategic planning. We operate with 15-minute daily huddles that keeps us aligned and so that we can collect necessary information and do problem solving in an optimized way. And as much as COVID has pressed a lot of our meetings and structures to function remotely, our collective leadership team is intentionally focused on maintaining a physical presence and rounding through the work areas, uh, making that a top priority and supporting our staff. So just a few additional things that really round out uh, those overall efforts that I mentioned earlier. Well, what I like about this is I think it's in line with what Tad said. You sweat the small stuff because those are some of the details. And going back to what you guys have said, the strengths of pharmacists and our leadership skills, and for those listening that are interested in pursuing higher levels, that we have some of that built into how we look at systemness. So I think moving to Wendy now to tee this up a little bit, We've heard Tad talk about people and culture and his strategy and perspectives. And Jim just finished talking about integration and systemness and strategies and perspectives on those. I'd like to bring it down to the pharmacists. As all of you are being pharmacists and successful C-suite executives, as well as long-term leaders with ASHP, and have worked with leaders across the nation, What advice would you have, Wendy, for other pharmacists that might be considering pursuing a hospital or health system executive role that either includes other service lines with pharmacy or just outside or above pharmacy? I think it can go in a lot of different paths, but I would say there's a couple things that come to mind. When you're interested in broadening your role, I think first things first, you have to do your day job well. So if you're not doing your current job well, you're not going to get the exposure. And I think that's easy to see. But I also think that sometimes people uh, that I mentor get itchy and they want to be promoted and they're ready. I had a mentor uh, explain to me that you'll never have as much time as you do right now. So if you feel like comfortable in your role, take that as an opportunity to build those skills and even if that right next position isn't coming out, take the time, build a skill, get a certification, get the training, get the coaching that you need, because you're not going to have as much time as you do right now. And I think that's so true. And as every role that I've had, you get more constrained and you have less freedom in that. I would also say volunteer for the interim assignments and you need to raise your hand. You need to ask for those assignments because not everyone is thinking like Tad outside of the box and thinking about the teams so deeply. And so really make sure that you're volunteering for those interim and stretch assignments. And the third thing I would say is organizations 
We all have challenges. We all have these problems that we need to solve. And I would really encourage all of us to really think about the problems in our organizations, go to those problems, help solve those problems, because that's where you're going to get noticed. And that's where you're going to be in demand. And you'll be top of mind to executives if you help solve the institutional's problem. It's not about you. It's about the institution and will really help position you strategically. I would also say position yourself on committees that may be outside of pharmacy. Take the time to communicate. I wish I did this more. Take time to communicate well. I think it's really important and broaden your network when possible. Sometimes it's just three to five minutes in the hallway. Take time, say hello to somebody, grab coffee, and take the time to really broaden your network. Those would be my top things that come to mind. Wendy, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Grabbing a cup of coffee for those of us like me who have a coffee drinking problem that's a good thing to have for, for your networking. Well, as we bring the podcast to close, I'm going to ask you guys a pretty big question. But Wendy, you couldn't have teed, really teed off this question any better was your comment about volunteering for those opportunities. And for our listeners, through the lens of you and the C-suite, I'd like to ask each of you, and I'd start with Jim, and then I'll go to Wendy and then Tad, what is your imperative list? What are those opportunities that you're facing? And if you could maybe share two each that will help us understand how you're looking at your institution and the opportunities and the challenges. So Jim, I'll put this question on you first. What a challenge, right? Uh, the top two, I think I have a list of 20. And there's definitely so many things to consider. But maybe to point out a couple, I think they would be very much in line with much of our discussion and maybe things that both Tad and Wendy have maybe already mentioned. For me, one of the greatest is related to teams. When I take a look at the areas that I support and the many accomplishments over the years, none of it could have been possible or achieved without strong and aligned teams. And so make growing and investing in your teams a top priority. Support them, break down barriers for them. Like Tad mentioned, get out of their way, let your leaders lead. So important uh, and something especially at this level that I think we can really influence in a strong way is the creation and fostering of strong teams in that regard. Networking is one I'm going to squeeze in there maybe as one and a half. It's always uh, historically been a huge asset to any leadership role that I've had, and it continues to be paramount. There's so much to be gained by having a deep network of other peers or experts or just folks that you can draw on, get advice from, seek direction from. It's really priceless for me and the things that I do day in and day out. And if I could maybe just mention one more, I think it's to be creative and embracing change. I know Wendy's touched on this, but look to be somebody who's viewed as willing to navigate through the changing healthcare environment, and especially with the economic headwinds that we have that are upon us. We should all look to be a part of the change that's needed because we certainly don't want to be a victim of it. So if you had to limit me to two or two and a half, I think those would be the big ones that I'd mention. <laughs> that's great, Jim. I think we'll give you two and a half. So how about you, Wendy? Well, I, I think pharmacists are so well positioned to be C-suite leaders. And I would just say we have the analytics, the large budgets, the major projects. But what I would offer is in today's changing landscape, 
we have to be bold. We have to be courageous, but at the same time, we have to be nimble and we have to be agile. And so I think those qualities all come together sometimes in the same time period that we're working on a project and are so important. And then the other piece that we've already touched on, but most importantly, we have to be a leader of the people. We have to deeply care for our people and the communities we serve. And I would just say, If we keep the patient front and center, we know this as pharmacists, the rest will all work out in the end. Thank you for that, Wendy. And now if we could move to you, Ted. Some great thoughts there by uh, Wendy and Jim. I'm going to try and piggyback off of just a couple of them. I agree with Wendy 100%. Healthcare is a people business. Can't put it any more simpler than that is healthcare is a people business and our people and our teams are what we rely on day in and day out to provide the high quality and safe patient care that all of our patients expect and deserve, no matter whether you're talking East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, North, South, you name it. People come to our health systems, whether that be in outpatient clinics or our hospitals, whether that be for a elective procedure or, God forbid, some kind of injury that brings us through our ER or one of our trauma units. But their first expectation is that they're healed. And I think their second expectation is that that they're respected and they're treated well. And I think that's the same approach that, that I try and take with my team, not so much that they need healed, but they definitely need to be treated with respect and be cared for. And there's a lot of ways that we can do that as leaders. Jim mentioned about the daily huddles and the rounding, the leadership rounding, that it's so important to being the kind of leader that is required in healthcare today. But the other thing I would say aside, and I kind of touched on this by talking about the details, but there's another side to that. And it's paying attention to the details while also having a perspective on the entire landscape. And that's not easy to do because you have to be thinking both short-term and long-term And you have to think about, okay, long-term, this is what we want to do. You know, is this the right short-term thing that gets us one step closer to that? And I think I can tell by Jim that they're a lean organization or they're on a lean journey. Wendy, the same. I know we are as well. And a lot of those things come down to learning some of those tools and then being able to employ them because a lot of the uh, content of lean really is on our wheelhouse as pharmacists. We love structure. We love organization. And we love data and metrics and all those kind of things. The thing that we have a tendency to do in healthcare is to jump to the solution before we ever define what the exact problem is we're trying to solve. And so I try and tell my teams all the time, if I feel like we're kind of going down a rabbit hole or something, I always try and recenter us with, okay, what what is the problem we're trying to solve? Can we all agree on what the problem is before we start throwing out what the solutions are? And to do that, You have to have both an eye on the details as well as a grasp on the larger landscape of what's going on, whether that's just in your hospital or in your community or in your market or in the nation. So, Well, thank you, Wendy, Tad, and Jim, for your conversation today. I think what I heard, to paraphrase maybe a little, is that clearly it goes without a question. Patients are at the center their expectations to be healed, cared for, and respected. But what I also heard equally loud is the executive mindset of keeping that landscape in mind, top of mind. 
but teams are critical and, and important to culture with your workforce and not being afraid to be bold and creative in a healthcare environment that sometimes doesn't feel like it always nurtures that. But it's an essential skill is what I heard you all three today say. So I think if I'm hopefully got that right for a great conversation today, really thank you again for all three for being with us today on this podcast. So this is at the time that we have to end our conversation. And again, Wendy, Ted, and Jim, thank you for joining us and sharing your pearls of wisdom on your journeys of success. Thank you for your leadership, service, and role modeling that you've provided for our profession and for your roles in the C-suites of your organizations. And in addition, thank you for providing your perspectives on areas of priority in leading our nations, hospitals, and health systems. And for all of you as listeners, you can find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading the pharmacy enterprises, and teams and practice management advancement on the ASHP website. And you can also subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more and engaging information from ASHP. So with that, we'll say goodbye and thank you all for joining us today on this podcast and enjoyable conversation. Thank you again for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Join us next time on ASHP Official. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe rate or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.